Now get ready for the time of your life, cause you are now watching Godhead. Everybody, welcome to Gawcat, the show where the hosts like to roast each other over cat girls. I'm your host, Hydrowave99, and I'm joined here today with Blue Alpaca. How are you today? Um, uh, okay, I guess. Um, except I've been dealing with that for like, uh, you know, um, the past like three hours, I think. <laughs> oh, hey, dude. You like cat girls, man? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, then again, but, uh, I have Alpaca's favorite on my phone right here. Fuck you. <laughs> oh. You, you know, just because Felix dresses feminine and has a very feminine voice does not mean... That he's a cat girl. <laughs> or transgender in any way. Right. <laughs> I'll try self, you know. I've been doing okay myself, you know. I mean, you know, Wii Sports Club is coming out in a few weeks, so getting excited for that. And also, too, I mean... I'm sure some of you notice I have another, a different bed in the background, so that's something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, You were telling me about that. It was like, it's different from the old springy, crappy one that you had. It, that one that you have now is uh, way more comfortable, like, in the sense that it's memory foam, but it's also brand new and not like, you know... Uh, Mine I got back in like 2020, so it's about two years now, and I'm still comfortable for me. Yeah, this bed here actually used to belong to my brother, and he's upgrading, and I got passed down this one, so. Oh, okay, never mind then. It's not comfortable at all. But it's still comfy, though. It's still memory foam, so. Ah, uh, alright then. But, anyways, uh... Yeah, so other than cat girls and anime girls, what else is new with you? Um, good question. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I know we released uh, the 30th episode on Easter. Um, yeah, probably but... bad timing because before Alpaca does the usual thing, it only had one view. Yeah, um, but, I mean, the, uh, <clears throat> uh, th that day, uh, I, um, I uh, went out to the movies with, and, uh, had some amazing movie food that costs way too much, but it's still great. Uh, and I went with my brothers, one of my brothers is, uh, you know, I, I'd feel like it'd be a bit offensive to call him a nerd when it comes to Marvel and comics and stuff and, you know, DC comics and stuff. But in a sense, he's very into it. And 
I also went with like, him and uh, my, uh, my other brother as well. So, right. Oh, that was fun. Um, and uh, I won't reveal what movie we saw because it would be very embarrassing. <laughs> um, actually, I will because um, I know it's a meme. I guess I think I'm, I'm not sure. Um. You know how Morbius is getting like really bad reviews. <laughs> oh, that's the one you saw. Yeah, I saw. I saw Morbius, and um, you see the um, the thing is, is I didn't hate it, and I don't know why it's like it's got fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Uh, I think it's just a meme. And I don't know exactly why, but um, in all honesty, I I will see what's wrong with it if it is bad because I like there there is some terrible CGI in it. Um, there is one point where the, like uh, you know the antagonist um, was uh, you know he had to take out multiple um, multiple enemies at once, and he. Uh, he did something uh, really, really quickly, but th th from the way it looked, it looked like really terrible. Like it went, he went zoom, 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 like it's, he zoomed to it. Um, and there's also like 15 seconds of um, a character in the film dancing while getting dressed and brushing his teeth. And it literally looks like the Spider-Man um, walking scene walking down the street sort of scene except there's nobody around and he's alone in, in his uh bathroom <laughs> oh wow and uh they had to reference venom you know um when the main character uh intimidates somebody he he uh says i am venom and I thought that was a bit like, eh, yeah, that's fan servicey, but you didn't have to do that, I guess. Uh, but, um, I mean, you know, besides all that, it was pretty okay. You know, some of it was a bit cheesy, I guess, but it's like, I don't understand why Morbius is getting all these cr cruddy, like, reviews. Like, it's not terrible, but I wouldn't call it, like, the best film. But it's not it's not the room bad is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. So as for me, I mean, while Alpaca saw Morbius, I saw Sonic 2 and fuck you for your leaks because they're all mo most of them were all false. <laughs> what do you mean? Eggman was dabbing. I mean, um, it's wasn't. <laughs> That's true, but there wasn't any sex scenes, so no. And Amy never showed up either. Um, you know, I actually forgot that I said that. Um, basically, um, I'm not sure if we did it while we were recording, but I joked about how Amy was there and Tails and, you know, a bit of uh, things went on there, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, um, but still, like, imagine seeing Jim Carrey flossing 
I had to stand up and clap, you know? Anyways, sorry. Uh, but, uh... I mean, yeah, I saw some of it. I mean, I did see some of the... Pre some preview footage or whatever, some leaked footage from the theater before I saw the actual movie itself, so I did get coming a little spoiled, but from what I saw, like it was still a fantastic film. Well, not fantastic, but it was a really fun time. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And this comes from someone who rarely goes to the theaters at all. Last movie I saw literally was Sonic 1. So... In all your movie-going times, you only saw the first and second one. That's like the last... Those are like the last few times I went to the theater. Like obviously, I went to the theater more times than those two movies. But I don't really typically go to the theaters at all. Oh. Although, not gonna lie, what, my favorite thing about going to the theater is literally the popcorn. Give me the popcorn with butter and stuff, and I'm good. My favorite part of the movie theater is... uh. Just literally treating it like it's dinner with uh, with movies. At least where where my mo my movie theater is, they can you can get a uh, steak and cheese. You can get chicken, uh, you know, fries and a burger, I guess, or chicken sandwich, or hell, even I even got a milkshake. Even though it kind of tasted a bit odd, which you know, it, I, I I joked that. It, it wasn't cow milk. Hmm. Interesting. But I mean, how? But I'm not going to tell you. I mean, how could you screw up a milkshake? I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. Um, Maybe one of the the staff there had it in for me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, um, maybe they had. You know. I mean, now that I'm free from the curse of the last episode. Uh, he hasn't bought me a game, by the way. Sue him. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, this can now be on the screen. So maybe what they did was they managed to get some duck. I don't know. Duck spit or something. I have no idea. Duck spit? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I don't know how to word it, but maybe they got some rubber duck for your milkshake. And what they did was that it just squirted water out of its mouth. I don't know what they did. Yeah, I'm sure it was, uh, you know, duck spit, you know? That's a great, that's a great analogy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but whatever, I'm going with it. Yeah, I'm sure, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'll pack a two games from last episode, so... Which, personally, I, I actually really don't, um... I, I really don't, um know if i want to do that like like as an actual punishment making hydrowave tonight's biggest loser anyway well, sorry not really that much of a loss i mean i'm sure he probably will get two indie games or something like that uh i mean i don't know you know i i um I've got to be honest, like, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of two games that I saw, but I'll I'll let you know afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, what if, um, what if, uh, what if we get like Martha is dead 
and the Skywalker saga. <laughs> Two completely polar opposite of games. Just like um, Lego Star Wars and then 1944 in France and a sister's trauma seeing her dead sister on the beach. Anyway, sorry. I mean, hey, that's one possibility. I mean, hey, I mean, Lego Star Wars I hear is actually pretty popular right now, so that might be worth a LP for you. Yeah. But besides all that, I mean, I'm sure many of you want to get to the news and whatnot. We have plenty to talk about here. From various things from PlayStation to Nintendo and some stuff about Halo. And a couple of gaming news. And, of course, more drama regarding Elon Musk and Twitter. And some things regarding, you know, car comets and... Jane Webb telescopes and a Google switch to Android app. So with that out of the way, let's get started with the news. And before we get to the main PlayStation topics, I wanted to give a quick update about something we talked about last episode. And that is the fact that they, it seems like according to some users, such as Foose TV over here on Twitter confirmed that their PS3 games can work again. And all it just has to do is just launch the game while locked on the PSN and before you know it, the license updates in the background with no errors. Oh, that's good. Yep, so... Yeah, so... I mean, that's good to know. I mean... Yeah, and as, as confirmed, it was just the Unix Epoch expiration date error. So, which we detailed a lot in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, uh, I'm glad that they, it was just a simple, it was just probably simple, I guess. I'm not just going to call it simple because it was probably a bit of a pain, but happy that it's like, yeah, we don't have to worry about this. It, it was just a stupid, like, uh, lack of atten attention to a, a certain bug that just caused a certain game to become unplayable at a certain time, which so happened to also be around the launch of a remake of a certain game. Especially, and it had nothing to do with. Football Packa would have wanted to play had Square Enix not really screwed it up. Yeah, yeah, that's uh. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know if I can really, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that it, uh, it got screwed up, but I'm just going to assume that it's going to be fixed later on down the line and it'll actually be a, a good port. Like think of it on the level of cyberpunk without all the terrible, terrible glitches, just a credit release, I guess. Yeah. But at least, you know. Hopefully they can make it similar to what happened with the Chrono Trigger release on Steam, which that gradually got patched up. A lot of the issues got fixed up and it became a much better game for it. Certainly. <sighs> but before we get on to that, now we can get to the main PlayStation news. And that involves a few topics. The first of which is the fact that... Ghost Tsushima actually got its last patch. And if you scroll over here, it's 
at the very end of the line, it says, while we aren't actively working on any additional patches at the moment, we'll consider monitor feedback on the community-run Gotlegends subreddit. Oh, I said Gotlegends subreddit. And messages sent to Sucker Punch Prod on Twitter for any high-priority bugs or issues that emerge. We want to say a huge thank you to the entire community for the incredible amount of support and feedback we've gotten since launch. When Legends launched in October 2020, we never expect to have such an active community more than a year and a half later, and we cannot be more thankful to everyone who has been with us on this journey. Yeah, so you can see here, most of it is all, you know, bug balances with Legends, and that's about it. Uh-huh. Um, Our second yeah. topic actually involves a rumor that started because if you take see look at this web page here seems innocent enough but what if i told you to zoom all the way out this is if you have a 1080p monitor i'm sure if you have a 1440p monitor you don't have to worry about this but just keep zooming all the way out and this is purely on the playstation studios page hmm what game? Wow, that's lame. I have to resume in again because apparently. It... Okay, there we go. I'm gonna ask everybody. What was that character that's all the way on the left? It's Sean from The Walking Dead. No, I'm just kidding. This guy right here, the main character from Death Stranding, and this is featured on a page of nothing but first party so. PlayStation Studio franchises. You see Ratchet and Clank, you know, MLB The Show, The Car. <laughs> the Car. No, that, yes, the, the Car. Definitely that, The Car. Definitely not uh, Gran Turismo 7. Yeah, and we have Astro, and then we got the protagonist from Days Gone, which is interesting considering what we've heard about how it performed and the likelihood of it not getting a sequel. And then Aloy from Horizon, you know, the Horizon series, such as Forbidden West and Zero Dawn. The main mm -hmm. protagonist of Demon Souls, which is a remake of a FromSoft game, but that's what Bluepoint did. Uh, we got the protagonist of Returnal, uh, Ellie from Last of Us, Kratos of God of War, and the main protagonist of Ghost of Tsushima, and then Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. Hey, see, who's, the, different... yeah, who's, see... the, who's the guy from in the, the purple uh, just next to Norman Reedus? Honestly, I don't really. Re oh, I think that could be that potentially could be Nathan Drake, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, I, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily look like Nathan. I mean, the background, you wouldn't think of Nathan Drake, but honestly, Uncharted is an iconic series that it's hard to really ignore it. Yeah, I was thinking of Sully, but then I realized Sully's pretty old, so... Uh, yeah. Eh, maybe it's Nathan, I don't know. Just with <laughs> a really big forehead. Yeah, but anyway, back to the topic here. So because of this, a lot of people assumed, hey, is Sony going to buy Kojima Productions? And then it turned out, because so many responses happened, Hideo Kojima himself had to mention on Twitter... I'm sorry for the misunderstanding, but Kojima Productions has been and will continue to be an independent studio. And once again, you can see the same image we saw zoomed out here. Mm -hmm.
So in other words, Hideo Kojima, no, his studio did not get acquired by PlayStation. He'll continue to make independent games. I Last I heard, there are some rumors flying around about him working with Microsoft on a game. So... Eh, that's all I can really say about that. With involving mm-hmm. cloud technology and whatnot. But anyways... And then the last of the topics that Sony, we have to talk about for PlayStation is the fact that Sony and Kirkby invested Epic Games to build the future digital entertainment. And you can see here, Epic Games announced a $2 billion round, $2 billion round of funding to advance the company's vision to build the metaverse. And this in round included investment from existing investor Sony Group Corporation, as well as Kirkby, the family-owned holding and investment company behind LEGO Group, with each of them investing $1 billion, respectively. Now, we did talk about in a prior episode that, you know, LEGO Company and Epic Games are working together to make a child-friendly metaverse, as they like to say. And as you can see, here's a bunch of, you know, PR speak, just talking about how, you know, they're all, like, we're happy to be part partnerships and all that stuff. So, based off these three different topics here, Flip Alpaca, what do you think of all this stuff going on with PlayStation? Um, so, uh, when it came to, like, uh, the, uh, PlayStation Studios thing, um, so, uh, I'm gonna be honest, like, uh, with the Hideo Kojima thing, um, I just love how passionate that people are. They they're they're looking for something that isn't there, but you do gotta kind of wonder why Death Stranding, like, is is there, and and you know the fact that it's off to the like way way far left, and because you wouldn't normally see that until you zoomed out, people might think it's like a hidden game like ARG sort of thing where it's like oh yeah by the way Hideo Kojima Productions blah 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 you know um people gotta stop doing that though because this man must be driven insane by now with everybody like oh by the way are you doing this are you doing with blue box what are you doing with uh you know like everybody looks for for so many things I swear um as far as the patch notes thing um with Ghost of Tsushima um I, I, uh, I, I gotta kind of wonder, like, when was this released? Uh, uh, this was released last year, right? Or not last year, the, the year before. Right? Yeah, this, Tsushima. Patch, this, yeah, a couple of years ago at least. But this patch was, it doesn't exactly tell us a date for when this patch was deployed, all it tells us on the bottom is that this is the last major patch for content. I see. I mean, yeah, it's it's had a good long run, I guess. I personally, I I, I don't know. I I wonder if they're working on an on a sequel or something, considering they're cutting uh, support for it in that they sense. Are I mean, this game did release around the time when. Maybe a year or so before the PlayStation 5 came out, so it's actually been a couple years. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that then all of a sudden, you know, the PlayStation 5 got a version for itself, and then, yeah, that's how that whole thing happened. Okay. Um, as far as the investment thing, 
I, I I don't know. I have no opinion on it because we don't know what's going to be used for. But the thing yeah. is that what makes this more interesting is the fact that this investment in particular actually is more. This is actually the highest investment Sony put into Epic Game because prior to that, I mean, like once in a while you'll see Sony drop like two hundred fifty million dollars, you know, per investment they make to Epic Games. This is one billion dollars. Yeah. That's four times higher. I mean, technically, they could have spent this on keeping Fortnite uh, away from crossplay, but who knows? <laughs> they could have done that. They could have, you know, maybe bought. I, I don't know. No, Epic Games is too valuable to that. Sony couldn't even buy them. They make way too much freaking money off of Fortnite. Yeah, I see where you're coming for, mm. from. So the only thing they can really do is, hey, you know, if we invest in a Fortnite, then we could have, you know, you know, more secure versions of like maybe un- not more secure version of Unreal Engine, but, you know, like increased use of Unreal Engine, increased promotion, you know, for PlayStation through you know, Fortnite and everything. Yeah, or they could. um Man, one second. Uh, or they could like uh, buy Epic and. uh um, and kick uh, Microsoft in the nuts and uh, steal Gears of War from them. Well, Gears of War is owned by Microsoft. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. I was going to say, that'd be pretty cool, though. Time, okay, I was saying, at one point in time, Microsoft actually bought the rights to Gears of War from Epic themselves. All right, then, never mind. And now, it'd be, now that the studio <laughs> that primarily works on Gears of War is the coalition. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I mean, some interesting things about PlayStation. But before we get on to Nintendo, there is one thing that the two companies have changed. Both Sony and Nintendo changed something about their subscription policies. Oh yeah, this relates to that Xbox thing where they were talking about subscriptions and stuff. Yeah, back um, in the UK, I believe. So as you can see here, this is an article from GameIndustry.biz, and they mentioned how both Sony and Nintendo have agreed to update guidelines pertaining to their pers- respective online subscription services followed an investigation into auto renewal practice by competition and market authority. Sony has agreed to input new measures for PS Plus subscribers, which include contacting long-term customers that haven't used the service for a while to remind them how to cancel subscriptions. If you don't cancel the service but aren't actively using it, Sony will stop taking payments. Nintendo also altered business practices. Its Nintendo Switch Online service will no longer be sold with automatic renewal set as a default option. If users wish to turn it on, they will need to do so after signing up. And the two-platform holders now follow Microsoft's agreement to change how it presents information to Game Pass subscribers. And yeah, so what do you think of this change with you know, the subscription practices? Uh, happy pro-consumer just like the uh, Microsoft um, change. Um, that's pretty much all I got. I, I'm just like there are so many subscriptions out there that Sometimes 
one will slip through the cracks that you are not using. Honestly, I wish it, you know, I wish, I wish the subscriptions like this would, if you don't use any percent of it, like if you use less than 5% of it, I guess, as like a little buffer, I guess, um, how about don't charge me? <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Charge me like a dollar or like a quarter of it for keeping the subscription active, I guess, but whatever, I guess, I don't know. Right, I hear what exactly what you mean. I 100% hear you. I mean, imagine, like, I have to pay, you know, how many times I have to give out one rubber duck, and then another rubber duck, and then another rubber duck, and then another year later, they increase the price, and they give out this rubber duck. That's three games right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Unfortunately, that curse has been bound to episode 31. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I get to get away with this now. <laughs> you fuck. Uh, so, with that out of the way, I think we can move on to the Nintendo news. Okay. Oh, and I translated this to... Uh, uh, English, just so you know. Right, I'm um, gonna say for that one, translate that to English so you can understand what's going on. Acquisition of land owned by the city adjacent to the head office. Right. So before that, I'm also gonna translate this and share sc my screen real quick. And with that out of the way, um, once we're done translating, then we can get going on here. And let's see here. But yeah, so what's been going on here is that Nintendo acquired some land. Okay, so the translation's now done. And you can see over here, there's a little picture. that kind of shows you, like, I think the bottom is current land owned by Nintendo. The diagram doesn't make it very clear. But what I can tell you is the fact that there's one big parcel of land right here. That they literally purchased for 5 billion yen. I don't know what that exactly converts to in American currency, but we're going to go with that. But yeah, so essentially what's going on here is they're going to acquire this land. And what they're going to primarily be using this for is for R&D. So yeah, all they're doing is that this is an R&D investment that they're going to make. And you can see a picture of the concept of what this new building is going to look like. And you're going to notice it looks very familiar to their current building. But larger. It looks like a thick Wii. Or like a GameCube without the carrying lunchbox handle. Right. Yeah, so literally it's going to be like that. It's essentially, if, if you see Wait. their current corporate headquarters back in, you know, Japan... It looks like, exactly like it, but larger. And it's all going to be used for R&D. No, no. This is Nintendo chucking the bird to Microsoft. This looks like a Microsoft Xbox Series X. But Nintendo-fied. Right. Also, too, notice that this is not going to be complete till 2027. So, they're not gonna, so we're not going to see what this is going to be utilized for till that time i see also too um bandai namco 
is actually supposedly going to is developing a remaster or remake of a 3D action game for a project that's contracted by Nintendo. And you can see a member by the name of Nick Dasnick spotted some job postings for what this could be. Some job listing came up recently for a planner for a 3D action game contract by Nintendo. Another listing came up as well for a visual artist for the same Nintendo contract 3D action game. And the listing that clarifies it is a remaster and remake working on the HD remastering of 3D backgrounds. So while we can't exactly, you know, I'm sure you, one of us could probably Google translate this entire thing and see what exactly it says. But the point is, it's a 3D action game and it's being remastered by Bandai Namco. Also, another thing of news is that apparently Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp managed to get leaked out early. However, the catch is that this cop these copies of the game can no longer be accessed. And also, you know, Nintendo asked the same Switch user to remove footage and screenshots of the title from social media. And also, you know, Nintendo canceled the purchase of it and provided a refund to this original person. So pretty much what's happened here is that no screenshots and everything of the game. I'm just gonna quickly scroll through this as quickly as possible. But yeah, that's what happened there. So Football Packer, any thoughts about any of the Nintendo news? Look, look, sorry. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, when I think of Bandai Namco Studios uh, developing a remaster or remake, I think of Pac-Man 2 The New Adventures, but I realize that that's a Sega game. And I realize that you also have a cartridge over there that you're going to troll me with. And uh, I'm going to just disable your video for a quick second. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, maybe I will have to get that game. And that's what Alpaca is wanting to see. No, I did not want to see. I also didn't want to see Hatsune Miku. But, uh, you know. Um, anyways, uh, what were we saying? Oh, yes. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, of course. You said you wanted to see it. Whoa. You said you wanted to see the game. I didn't want to see it. I said you'd, I, I, you're going to troll me about <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, But what games do you think could be remastered or remade? It could be anything from the GameCube, the Wii. What do you think would make sense for this sort of treatment? Um... In one second, let me look at their catalog. It could uh, be a Wii U game, but I don't. I think Nintendo got most of the ones they wanted ported. Yeah. Um. I mean, what if? And this is just a a, a crazy uh, idea. What if it was uh, the Namco Museum? I don't think it would be that. That's a purely Namco game. But I there are a couple of games I think could make sense for this. One of which is a game that a lot of people keep requesting for to be moved over, and that is Kid Icarus Uprising. 
that is the 3DS game that Sakurai actually made. That is Smash Brothers. Oh. Yeah, it's actually... It was... That game, believe it or not, was one of those games that... While it had... You know, the first one was on the NES. The second one was on the Game Boy. And then, all of a sudden, Sakurai was like, Hey, let's put Pit in the Super Super Smash Brothers Brawl. And then it hinted that Sakurai wanted to work on Kinnikar's Uprising. Yeah, that makes sense. Which then he did... And then that game accumulated a mass cult follow within the Nintendo community. So that's what a lot of people want to see brought over. And also, Sakurai having worked with Nintendo, not Nintendo and Bandai Namco, especially with the more recent Smash Brothers games, that could potentially make sense. Another one that could make sense, too, is the fact that there's been that rumored Metroid Prime trilogy. That's been a thing for a while now. So it was so it was rumored that there would be a Metroid Prime trilogy remaster or a Metroid Prime remake. That could potentially be in the cards. Well, what if they remo- remade Kung Fu Panda on the 3DS? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I, I'm pulling straws right here, but uh, I mean, yeah, that. that I understand what you mean, though. I would love to see the Prime Trilogy remaster, though, because um, was it was Metroid Prime Three on um, Wii? It was on Wii. Okay, then yeah, they then um, I think they'd be able to use something with the gyro aiming on the Switch, or uh, they could, and also potentially like what they did with Sky Skyward Sword and. Yes, more so Skyward Sword, implement the option for traditional controls as well. Mm-hmm. So you can actually play Metroid Prime 3 with the option of traditional control, which is something you couldn't di- really do on the Wii. Not many games really supported that. Yeah. Simply plugging in the GameCube controller would have been way better. Right. And, but- and it'd be... Kind of simple because all they had to do was just, you know, take what they did on the GameCube, you know. Yeah, especially because the game, the Wii's architecture is practically the same as it was on the GameCube. Literally, the Wii is practically a souped-up GameCube. It's the same architecture for processing and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense because, um, the Wii was incredibly. Like, it, the Wii was pretty much just a very advanced PlayStation 2, in my opinion, or an Xbox, I guess. Because, mm. like, you couldn't even get HD on it, you know? Yeah. Because Nintendo decided, hey, let's focus on a new control scheme rather than do what Microsoft and Sony did, which was just push for better graphics. And then they had a money printer in their hand. A legal one. Stop flipping me off. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it did print money. However, the only problem was because they targeted a casual audience, not many people actually bought software for it, even though so many people bought consoles for it. Mm -hmm. But with the Switch, however, it's a completely different beast. People are buying software and systems. Yeah. So, hey, this makes the Switch probably the most profitable system they ever released. But yeah, like I think it's it's likely going to be something to do with like 
I feel like Kid Icarus could make sense. I feel like, you know, Metroid, I feel like Metroid makes the most sense for the rumor, considering that's been heavily rumored for a while now, but something different could be nice. Let's just go for the more idealistic route. Let's go for dream territory here. Soul Calibur? I don't know. I mean, I know a certain handheld RPG series for that Nintendo made associated with Camelot that you'd probably want brought back to the light. I mean, you're, you're making a good point there, but I don't think that's ever going to happen, honestly. No, this is just dream territory. We're not talking about oh, okay. what's realistic now. We're talking about dream territory. All right, then. Well, um, what would you like to see? Now we're getting to that territory. We got through the realistic t- prediction already, but now let's get to the wacky out there idealistic route. What do you wish, what Nintendo IP or whatever do you think Bandit Namco is likely remaking or remastering? We're going for the idealistic route. Pac-Man 2, the new event. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, hey, you, you want to see it again? Here you go. You can see it again. No, I don't. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, give me one second. Uh, how about uh, Bandai Namco plus Kojima, and they make, they remake the entire Metal Gear trilogy, and then Konami is like, "What the fuck? This is bullshit!" And then. Um, they they don't get sued because of like outcry from the fans, right? I'm <laughs> thinking more. I guess that could be interesting, but I'm thinking let's keep it with the realms of Nintendo IPs. So whatever Nintendo makes, oh, because that's completely out right. there. Because that's Konami, oh, a Konami IP. But like I was thinking, you know, like what could be out there? F Zero. I, I, or maybe I'm really, Star Fox. Yeah, I'm. I'm really uh, not sure. Other than uh, maybe Star Fox, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but what if they like? I don't know. Worked on. I don't know. Uh, give me one second. Uh, I mean. I already hinted at one series that I think you'd want to see, which will likely never happen, but we're talking idealistic territory, unrealistic expectations, and that is Golden Sun. I know, I know, but that's not never going to happen. And I know, it makes you disappointed that they relegated Camelot to just making Mario sports games. Yeah. I don't know, I, I don't have anything, really, other than... uh. I don't know, an, an FPS action adventure uh, game relating to Animal Crossing <laughs> with guns. <laughs> oh, God, don't tell me you want to make Pal World, but with Animal Crossing. You know, that yeah. one Pokemon, I I, don't, I think I misspoke the the name of it, but it's that one No, Pokemon, it is Pal World. Yeah, that Pokemon, like, inspired game with guns. 
Fuck you, Tom Nook the Crook. <laughs> oh, great. Now we have to get Alpaca and a Mafia hat, and then he, he said. No, all I need for a, for a Mafia thing. I found these on like a on a, like a gun site. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. This looks like a potato AK with a. It looks like a fucking potato handguard. Um, but we we pull out the submachine gun and the six shooter in disguise. Right. Well, I think we all know what you want to use those guns for. Don't even start. <laughs> Just add like gunfire post effects. Maybe. And then maybe. Wars 1 and 2 reboot camp being leaked out because this was actually we just supposed to be out by like April 8th or something like that. But the issue was they actually delayed it because of certain events in Europe. Um. So. Um. I mean, personally, I I don't have any attachment to Advanced Wars, but uh, I wonder what this, you know, I, I wonder what this means, really, you know, like, is this just, does this exist? Like, is this fully playable? Like, does this have no, like, glaring issues? Apparently, it was an earlier version, so there probably was bugs or something like that. But, I mean, this is a game I'm actually looking forward to myself, because I'd like to try Advance Wars. I think this series, this, these two games could be very interesting for me to try and get into this sort of game. Because this game, the original version at least, were made by Intelligent Systems, who made Fire Emblem. Mm -hmm. And Paper Mario. But more so on the Fire Emblem side, this was like another series. But it's like, think of it like, think of it like, think of Advanced Wars like Fire Emblem, but without as much of, without as much of the, without the RPG element and the waifu element, although there is some waifu characters. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, wondering who the, the, uh, lady with a um a small 
is doing, just peeking out the side of that um that tank. Will she shoot? Yeah, so the three of them are part of the same team. Okay. The the bulky guy, the guy with the wrench, and the girl, the rocket launcher. They're the three of them are on the same team. Yeah, I, I just I'm terrified. Why is that wrench twice its size? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, right. um, I mean, that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, who knows if? Who knows what was in the earlier build though that got released? You know, right? It's likely they closed the final, but it was some bugs that had to get fixed up. So they're probably taking as much time they can to fix the game up by now. I would at least hope. Yeah, definitely. Um. They, uh, one of the people in the comments said that, um, they got a few missions of the first game's campaign done. So at least the first game's campaign was playable enough. Like, I mean, they, they didn't mention any glaring issues though. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't like glaring, just some early version bugs. <laughs> yeah. I just had to get fixed up and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But we can move on to the next set of topics here. That involves a certain series. You know, with the latest game of it having not the greatest update record. But before we get to Halo Infinite, though, we have to talk about what they did to the Master Chief Collection. And the main thing they added was... Halo 3 ODST got a new variant of a mode called Flood Fight. And what this is, is various settings are available when creating a firefight session. As scenario settings include hazards and friendly boons, such as additional weapons being available on the map and allies being delivered by insertion pods. And this also brings up elites to new Mamba, Mabasa for the first time and a new firefight game variant. Flood fight. And what this is, is elites and flood enemies can also be added to other Halo 3 ODSD firefight game variants via the wave property settings. Flood waves will be accompanied by a fog that changes the atmosphere of classic maps and allies. Lots of the flood may return to attack players. And also, flood themed hazards are also available in the new scenario settings. These hazards include flood dispersal pods, flood stalkers, and flood controlled vehicles. And unfortunately for me, the image of this is actually kind of PNG, not there, but I will provide a PDF in the description that will show you all the links to all the stuff of the episode. Uh-huh. They also added some custom game browser improvements, some cross-platform co-op for Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, which is experimental. So technically, if you have the Master Chief Collection, you could be on PC playing Halo 3, and that could be on the Xbox Series X play Halo 3 with the Master Chief Collection, and they can both play the campaign together. That's pretty cool. They also add some campaign customization options for Halo 4, and they even added, way out of the way, added new schools to Halo 2 Anniversary, Halo 3, and Halo 3 ODSD. But yeah, there's a couple other minor other things too. So, Alpaca. Before, actually, I should probably save that before we get to the next thing. And that is the fact that certain affinity is actually working alongside 343 
for, you know, improving Halo Infinite. And apparently what this statement says is, we've been a part of the Halo franchise for more than 15 years, and we're honored to say we are deepening our relationship with 343, having a trust with further evolving Halo Infinite in some new and exciting ways. So, in other words, I think what this is, is this is, you know, they're getting more support for Halo Infinite, which is great. Now, before we get back to the Mass Chief Collection updates and your thoughts on that, I want to delve more to this. I think this is more important and more relevant to, you know, what our series is. And we've been focused on Halo Infinite for a while now. So, I want to get this out of the way first. Yeah, I, I think so, too, honestly. Um, so certain affinity, um, they are known for, um, one second. So certain affinity, what are they known for? They've been known mostly as like a support studio. They've been working with Halo for a while. I think they've worked on some other shooters as well. But they've mostly been like a first-person shooter support studio of Subway. And supposedly, they're going to be helping 343 develop a certain mode that has been very popular in many first-person shooters recently. That's I mean, evil. Is... <laughs> no. No, you're not talking about Battle Royale, are you? I mean, it's a possibility that they might be helping... 343 work on a battle royale halo. Oh. Alright, well, um... Potentially. I mean, it's all rumor speculation at that point, so don't take this with a grain of salt. Well, I'm glad I'm not uh, gonna play this ever any anymore, and uh, good night, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm... I mean, honestly, once this game gets more maps, I would say this, is, this game will still be worth playing regardless. It, Definitely, oh, better yeah, definitely. definitely been better what Call of Duty and Battlefield have been going through recently. Oh my god, 2042. Oh, less than a thousand players. It hurts. You hate to see it. Um, anyways. Um, I mean... <clears throat> I, personally, with certain affinity, um, if they are just a support studio, um, m most of the time at least, then I'm happy that they're joining. Um, you know, I'm happy that they're joining. Uh, you know, three four three in further developing Halo Infinite. Right. Because I, looking at them actually now, I think about it. They are working on. Um, uh, what is it? They are. They did work on Halo Four, right? Yeah, so, various different Halo games. So they've done. Separate Halo games in the past. So they definitely have some experience, at least, then. Um, I'm glad, you know. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy about that, you know, because Halo Infinite for me, like I said before, I've I've dove off of it because I have stopped. It, it just it didn't have enough content for me to keep playing it. The gameplay itself is like... The thing is, is with this, is that they've done everything that a lot of game developers fail at perfectly. 
like they made a good they made good gameplay and there's no major bugs there's little to really complain about you know there's not very many egregious microtransactions or dlc i guess um but when it comes to like content and stuff you know i feel like there wasn't enough so i'm, I'm happy to see that they would uh work further on you know with with uh you know developing this game right because i know that don't get me wrong i know you enjoyed the campaign for halo infinite because i remember i managed to get gift you that yeah i i still have yet to you know i was thinking about that actually is like i still have yet to upload any gameplay of me playing it because personally i you know i, I liked it but um, when I realized that my footage was like the game audio was way too loud compared to my actual voice, I had to scrap most of it. It would have been up there, but um, I'm sure maybe what you could probably do is watch the co what the uh, campaign co-op. Maybe uh, maybe something you could might be worth revisiting with the right about friends or something like that. Maybe yeah. Or maybe what you could do is that you could spend some time once they get forge mode in there. In there. Mm hmm. Maybe that might be worth like, hey guys, what's going on? Flew file packet here. Double upload everything. Let's go. We're going to check out this wonderful forge mode here. And we're going to pick what I think are the best maps on this whole entire service here. Who the fuck do you think I am? <laughs> Anyways, um. <laughs> uh. Anyways, uh, Halo of. Three and uh, Master Chief Collection, by the way. Going back to that, at the uh, little patches that they added to the games. Yeah, let's go shift to that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm fine with this, you know, and stuff. I, but I think I've said all I had to say um, when it comes to Infinite. Um, as far as this goes, I don't own the Master Chief Collection, but the uh, this wave mode thing that they're adding, Flood Fight... I'm kind of interested in it actually and it says uh if it says allies lost to the flood may return to attack players so i wonder like so i'm not too too engrossed into the lore but i think that's actually quite cool to like have um to have people come back as enemies if you fail to you know care for their health or stuff you know i right. actually love that because the thing that halo master collection has done pretty well is the fact that they've added more content on top of the original version of the game essentially so good try the content they've been adding throughout halo, the master collection's life mm -hmm. is actually content that's not really in the original version of the game yeah i can only imagine like it's kind of like a like a minecraft sort of scenario where playing the release to right now is completely different oh absolutely because i remember like when mass chief collection first came out a lot of people hated it and now it got transformed to something completely different oh yeah the online is better the you know there's they added they went out of the way added more content to the halo games that were a part of it yeah, definitely. Without a th without a doubt, um, I heard people comparing uh, certain other games to Master Chief Collection, and um, you know, it's 
that's kind of scary because I, I thought the Master Chief Collection was pretty okay. But right. I mean, I mean, the only thing they just have to do in future, you know, versions of, you know, this game is just add some, you know, Oh, they don't. They don't have to. <laughs> they really don't have to add ducks to it. <laughs> just make another version of Firefight that says Rubber Duck Fight. You know what? When Forge Mode comes in uh, to Halo Infinite, or if I buy a Master Chief Collection, I'm going to find out if you can mod character models. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then... Yeah, I'm going to send multiple versions to certain people. Uh, you'll get the Rubber Duck edition. A certain someone will get the DDLC edition. And, uh... And, uh... I'll just, like... I don't know, like, uh... Refund it on Steam. I don't know. I mean, for you, you'd probably get the, let's see, the Green Day version? Mod, like, the different no. stickers of Green Day or Pink Floyd or something. No. I don't know. I'll add baby metal figures. <laughs> Those pop figures will attack us with wild flailing arms. That's probably ERA for the entire audience, but it's just me. Trying to hold a baby metal figure on top of my microphone. Stop it. Fuck you. Disabled video. <laughs> Alright, there's no figures on the screen. I uh, You can look at my hands here. There's none. Anyways, uh, besides all that, I think we can move on to some of the other topics within gaming that happened this week. The okay. miscellaneous topic run. Yeah. And there's a couple other ones I think are worth noting here. One of which is the fact that the Witcher 3 next-gen version is actually being delayed. Oh. And um, so yeah, so essentially what they're doing for Witcher Three is that they're delaying the game, and they're actually taking that version of the game in house. I right, so that means they were they were working with another developer on just trying to get this game ported. Uh-huh. But I guess according to this tweet here, you'll see that says we have decided to move our in-house development team conduct the remain yeah, I'll rephrase it again. We have decided to have our in-house development team conduct the remaining work on the next gen version of Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. We are currently evaluating the scope of the work to be done and thus have to postpone Q2 release until further notice. We'll update you as soon as we can. Thank you for understanding. But then you'll also see in this other article over here 
yeah, so it's essentially just saying same thing, but there's also other thing. Based on recommendations for persons in charge of development, the company has decided to have its in-house development team conduct the remaining work on the next-gen version with the Wild Hunt. This is product said. The company is currently about the scope of work to be done, and yeah. But they also say the statement is brief, but implied the participation of modders in the development of the upgrade conferred by CE Project in 2021 has come to an end. The fact that the studio needs to postpone the release until further notice, as said Twitter, while it figures out what actually needs to be done, also just the job thus far has not gone especially smoothly. And you can kind of tell that CD Projekt Red does not want Cyberpunk 2077's launch. This, I guess, gem of a game to happen ever again. Yeah. I I can I can tell why. <laughs> I mean, imagine two two releases that are just terrible. Like you 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 ruined your trust last time, but in a row, now nah, you're 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 gonna screw yourself over. People are gonna lose trust and faith. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like uh, I don't know, like uh. Uh, it's it's gonna be like releasing um, multiple Call of Duties, right? And just changing up the scenario, I guess. Right. A- and then people, you know, the the people that are playing, are like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And then a week later, they're like, oh, "This game sucks." Skill based matchmaking. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, um. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm happy though that they're gonna delay it a little bit, just so they don't do that. But uh, it sucks that um a next gen upgrade like this has to be delayed, like you know, like a until further notice. Yeah. Um, I, I know is, the w- yeah. Cause I, the thing is, was with with The Witcher Three, that was a game of the generation sort of game. It was definitely like one of the best games of that entire generation. And then they followed up with Cyberpunk 2077, which led the which was like the complete swing of the opposite of from best game ever made to one of their worst games they've ever made. It was such a weird thing to see. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, because I like I like, you know, like you said, it's it's you know, it's been renowned as the game of a generation or like a you know a decade i guess probably one of the best um and i just hope that these until further notice delays don't spell the same exact thing as um you know cyberpunk's delays you know and like from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade mm. um sort of uh delays i guess <laughs> um i mean but the thing is though it's only a next gen upgrade so they can't really screw up too much right i mean i'm looking at chrono cross and i'm thinking oh shit maybe not but or maybe they will but you know <laughs> at least you would think because i think what they're trying to do with these next gen upgrades is you think oh hey just take the same game maybe if it's all x86 architecture for these systems you think hey 
take the version that we have in development, right? Just slide the develop the tools just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then done. But it seemed like they, they there's something, but they may be more complicated than what we're thinking. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's that difficult um, or that that easy. I mean, sorry, I don't think it's that easy to just um, take a game and go on the settings and slide it all the way up to ultra with a bit of more resolution scaling and then call it a day and port after porting it to the next generation, you know, um, some games actually are a little bit more than that, you know. And it's, it's, you know, it, it's, eh, I guess, you know, I mean, it really depends. Do you want it to be an upgrade or do you want it to just be a, a port with better enhancements to it, you know? Right. Because they'd have to, um, you know, upscale things sometimes manually, sometimes automatically. There's a bit more that goes into it than just... Uh, you know, just like, uh, there's a bit more that goes into it than just upscaling and hoping it doesn't look blurry in the end. Right. Sometimes things have to be hand done, even, even still, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Also, we have to deal with some other minor news, such as the fact that QuakeCon, the famous convention that holds not only in soft games, but also but it's been turned into more of a Bethesda conference in the summer, is going to be digital only once again from August 18th to August 20th. And you can see here in the little twi Twitter post here, this year's QuakeCon will once again be a digital only event August 18th to 20th, 2022. Like you, we're disappointed to not return to Dallas this year. An event of this size requires months of planning, in this case, we had to make decisions when there was still too much uncertainty to commit to successfully execute an in-person QuakeCon. The QuakeCon team is already working hard to put together exciting new streaming programming, online meetups, giveaways, charity opportunities, the virtual BIYOC, and more, and we will announce more details in June. We're committed to returning with our full in-person festival in 2023, and we're already looking forward to reconnecting with fans. A massive BYOC packed with your latest custom PC creations, a wild contest, and tons of great new games and hardware for attendees to try out. We can't wait to see you online this August and in person next year. So, pretty much, yeah. So, QuakeCon, like I said, while this was originally like a P, you know, a, like, PC, you know, insult kind of sort of thing that involved the Quake franchise, it eventually kind of became something like um, another, like, second wind E3-ish sort of thing for Bethesda, where they can just show off other games that Bethesda has been making for a while. And now it's part of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that it seems like Microsoft likes to keep Bethesda in a semi-bubble, I guess you could say. Like, they kind of keep them like, hey, we want to keep you guys tethered, like, only keep the platforms we support. But they still keep them, you know, the Bethesda label in publishing. Yeah. But besides that, like, what do you think of the news of, you know, QuakeCon being digital only this year? Um, I mean, it, it sucks, I guess, for people who are interested in the, you know, but 
Um, I mean, personally, it doesn't matter to me because I don't go to these conventions, but right. I feel like... Uh, I feel like only gaming conventions seem to be the only people that are, like, the only types of, uh, you know, um, like, they're the only types that kind of stop in-person stuff, like, with gaming and tech. <laughs> or maybe it's just the fact that we only cover that stuff, but I don't know. It just seems like it's a lot more delays. Well, I think that, in that... this case, particularly, we have to keep this in mind that if we've looked at the cases for, you know, no, no virus mm. have been on the rise. And honestly, this might've been a reactionary move from the rise of the no, no virus. Yeah, I, I understand that. And also just the fact that planning a festival kind of like this, you know, in a sense, I understand that it's going to be a bit more than just, uh, you know, uh, Let's set up this revenue or this uh, this uh, what is it called? Let's let's set up this uh, building and stuff, and let's show everyone what we got. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's not it's easier said than done. Right, because so. deal the contact the venue, take this date, yet then uh, prepare like announcements and everything. You then have to set up like the booths. You have to set up, like, the convention layout. You have to then get all the studios involved and everything. And that obviously all takes time. Of course. But the fact that we're seeing this convention, that's it's not as big as, like, a Tokyo game show, per se, or, like, Gamescom. Like, we also just witnessed E3 fully canceled. Mm -hmm. Because of events like this, like like the no no virus, yeah, and it's kind of showing that maybe some other of these conventions might be more reactionary with the increase of the you know that no no virus. Yeah, but however, there's also something else that might be worth celebrating here. And for all of the JRPG fans that also like Disney, well, one of the games in particular is more exciting than the other. But anyways, uh, so Kingdom Hearts 4 is officially announced. And a mobile game, Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, also is, got announced. Now, we're not going to focus on the mobile game as much as we're going to focus on Kingdom Hearts 4, which is the game that is, you know, the more interesting of the two. Obviously, the mobile game. I'm a casual. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a filthy casual. Right. Yeah. Now, myself uh, and Alpaca, you know, have not played this series, but we do know that it is a very significant series, especially because of Disney involved. Oh, yeah. But I think another reason why this is exactly important is because it involved a famous leak that happened that the two of us had discussed at one point in time. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, um, yeah, the NVIDIA GeForce Now leak. Exactly. That, 
that did happen to talk about a Kingdom Hearts um, uh, game. I don't know if it was explicit, if it was four or something, but let me take a look back at the... Uh... Yeah. Here, I found a different list we, we can use. Okay. So give me a second and I will send it over. And you can see from this list here that I found, it's not the same one we used originally, but I figured we'd take a look here, what we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. So, as we can see here, um, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Edition, um, I believe there is an Uncharted Collection on PC. Yeah, it says here, the check mark shows what's been confirmed so far. And yeah, that did get confirmed. Helldivers 2 is no, Horizon Forbidden West is no, GT7 is no, Garrison is a no, God of War is a yes, Returnal's a no, Demon Souls is a no, no Ratchet Clank game has been shown on PC yet, no Sackboy Big Adventure, and no Ghost of Tsushima. And again, they also mentioned no Bloodborne, Spider-Man, or Last of Us. Last Guardian, Gravity Rush, etc. Unless listed above, so obviously no, no. But see, they got a good chunk of these announcements right thus far, which is the most important thing, especially God of War. Yeah, and Uncharted. Those two, why I, I never would have thought Sony would push for a PC as much, but there you go. Um, for Microsoft, I don't really need to look at this too much because most of the games that are listed are all going to come to PC anyways. Like, we know that all Microsoft's first-party games are going to be on PC day one because of Game Pass. The only one that seems a little iffy would be Halo 5 Guardians, but I haven't seen that happen yet. Yeah. Um, interesting. The initiative game that we were talking about. Yeah, which is likely to be Perfect Dark. Which, yep. That is you mean correct. Project Dark? Yeah. Uh, because anyways. I'm a moron and I don't know how to say perfect instead of project. Yep. And here's where everything comes to play. Chrono Cross Remaster. That is official. That got confirmed. And it act the only thing though is it makes Alpaca shed a tear because it's not the greatest version as of right now. No. It's disgusting. <laughs> uh, so that means if this is to be believed, then Final Phase Tactics Remaster actually got trademarked. Apparently, so that might be coming at some point. Final Phase M Remake actually is on the PC, but only through the Epic Game Store. As of right now, so... Um... Final Fantasy 16 is going to, it's, I believe, a time exclusive on PlayStation. That's going to come to PC later. And then Tomb Raider Anniversary is not going to happen because apparently 2021 passed. And then Unannounced Title by Square Enix, which is a check mark. They say it could be like four games, but anyway, they said that Tomb Raider on Unreal Engine 5 announced. That's a check. And then, of course, what, we, what led us to want to talk about this leak again is Kingdom Hearts 4. Um, which is a Jap probably a Japanese Disney fans 
you know, biggest dream out there. Oh, yeah. And then for Capcom, we see Street Fighter 6 did get confirmed. Resident Evil 4 Remake, which is highly rumored for a while now, did not get confirmed yet. Dragon Dogma 2 and Mod Hunter 6 are not confirmed as of yet. And let's see what else. Uh, take 2. We see that the GTA 3 Vice City San Andreas remasters, that's a check. Definitive Edition, no it is not. <laughs> um... It's it's about definitive as uh, it's about definitive as um, a terrible mod that upscales the graphics. Right. Except those mods usually do things better. Mhm. Mm and we have EA with the Mirror Edge RTX remaster, an untitled respawn game, which apparently got checked as its three Star Wars games, and then. Titanfall 3 is not confirmed yet, but I know a lot of people would like to see Titanfall 3. Certainly. I they, mean, it's um, definitely different from Battlefield, which I think is the one thing they need right now. <laughs> and, and especially the um, Apex Legends uh, fiasco. Remember, the website got hacked. Mm. Right. And then also we got Tekken 8 from Bandanerco. Apparently Human Fall Flat 2 event could be eventually be a thing. The Talos Principle 2, that's not checked. But Crisis 4 did get announced, and so did Earth Defense Force 6. But it's only for PS4 and PS5 in Japan 2022. And these two here for Bayonetta 3 and Judgment, not checked, but... I, however, I do, I don't think Bandana 3 would at least come to PC, considering it's involved with Nintendo as well. Like, that one doesn't really make much sense. Mm hmm Considering we all know how conservative Nintendo can be at times. And then as for Atlas, which is also owned by Sega, by the way. None of the franchises have been announced yet to come to PC. Though, keep in mind, no Persona 5 for PC yet. And that's actually been a very... The, probably Atlas's most popular game. And he got nominated for Game of the Year at one point. I see. So I can show you how significant of a game that is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, No Batman Arkham Knight RTX Remastered. No... Project FPS from Paradox, but they do make a lot of, you know, art, like, grand strategy games. It's these guidelines, which is actually pretty fantastic. Yeah. And some other game they say, which is Huge Grain of Salt. Actually, this is the same list that we looked at a while ago. Thank the Lord. Uh, XCOM 3, no. Uh, Destroy All Humans 3, no. Injustice 3, no. Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 HD, no. And in fact, I don't think that's going to even happen because look what Konami's up to. Mario Rabbit Kingdom Battle, no. Death Strand Director's Cut on PC, apparently got announced. Cyber Elite 5 got announced. And City Skylines 2, 
did not get announced yet. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Also, too, we can see here a bunch of additional games here, such as Total War 9, Payday 3 did get announced, Hangar 13, which was announced, but it did get canceled, though. Fight for Middle Earth? Nope. Crash Team Racing Nitro Field on PC? Nope. Mortal Kombat Next Gen and Mortal Kombat 12? Nothing yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if that does eventually become a thing. Uh, Moss didn't get confirmed. Space Punks, nope. Hitman Pro, nope. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Remastered, nope. Ghost Simulator 2, that should be a fun one to see, but no. Wreckfest sequel, nope. Worms Next, nope. Titan Quest 2, nope. Outcast, actually they didn't get confirmed. Invite by Criterion did get announced. Metro next, nope. Stalker for Android, nope. As Dusk Falls and as Dusk Falls Season 2, did get confirmed as an ESRB rating. And then Ultra Street Fighter 2 The Final Challengers, that's a Switch exclusive, but I don't think that will ever come to PC, and so would Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 3. Those two I don't think will come, and apparently Room King got announced. And yeah. That's about it for the NVIDIA leak thus far. But uh -huh. as far as I know, it seems like the reason why I wanted to come back is because it seemed like more of the games on there have slowly started to become realized. Yeah, I personally, I, I've. I, it very much feels like most of this is real. You know, most of the like this entire leak is. I don't know, like what the comments said, S tier, I guess, you know, like just how many um, games on here that like have a check mark versus don't have a check mark or something, you know, next to their name. Yeah, that's a lot of like that's that's uh, fortune teller crystal ball, you know, levels of, uh, um, you know being right yeah but also keep in mind too this is just a list for g potential games as a as there's a claim around there this is a geforce list and not a guaranteed pc list mm -hmm. but i do feel like a good chunk of these games will come to be fully realized yeah which stay tuned hopefully they'll pop up on the you know on the show later on Mm-hmm. And who knows? But, maybe Football Packet will pop off over Titanfall 3. Yeah, and maybe they'll... You know, hopefully when these things do release that they're only... You know, they're not just only on GeForce now. Right, I would... I obviously don't want to stream them only, you know. <clears throat> Anyways, just kidding. Yeah, but again, I don't... I don't a lot of these games definitely would not have a four streaming only thing, which to me, I don't think it's going to be likely that these games would be streaming only. A lot of these games will eventually come to Epic Game Store or Steam, so I don't think that's going to be much of a concern. But, but you're not understanding. They would. Because reasons. No, I'm just kidding. 
<sighs> unless just broken fun. Unless for some reason Google decided to bring back a first party lineup for Stadia. That but they would only be streaming though, dude. Yeah, that's like the only exception to the rule. But I don't want them to. Uh, know, give sorry. me massive flashbacks to I believe was episode eleven. But what if, dude? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Anyways. That was a pretty toxic episode when we got to that segment. I remembered that entirely. But but you're not understanding, dude. They're going to be streaming only. Yeah, I still remember episode 11. Ah, what an interesting time. But, however, though, we do have to get to a stepping stone before another set of topics arise. And that is the fact that one of the studios of Activision Blizzard has fully merged with Blizzard. And ladies and gentlemen, Vicarious Visions has officially merged with Blizzard Entertainment. The studio, which had recently made the Crash remastered, wait, not the Crash remastered, that's totally for Bob. But their most recent game, as far as I could tell, with the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remakes. Uh, and now they're being fully absorbed into Blizzard. Into Blizzard. I mean, they, they kind of already. Damn, that's that's weird. So. They're doing the exact same thing that they've already been doing, but they are now just parts of they're now just Blizzard. Yup. So, yeah, damn it. They're just being fully absorbed into Blizzard and. They've done quite a number of things, like like I said, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remaster. In fact, while I'm waiting, I'm going to look up this on my phone and see what else they have made. Um, they're, they're also part of the uh, Insane Trilogy, I think. Yeah, let's take a look. Yeah, so... Yeah, so they did work on... A Quite a number of crash games, and then quite a number of different things, and then they developed some things with Guitar Hero, a little bit of Guitar Hero, and you know Skylanders. I think, but were pretty high in there, and then they worked on that, and yeah. So after, yep. Yep, so essentially, yeah, they just got fully absorbed into Blizzard, and they did a lot of things throughout, like, Activision Blizzard's history, you know, especially like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and I was like, it's pretty much, it seemed like they were mostly supporting, like, Crash and, and stuff. Wow, they actually did develop by by Vicarious Vision. Yeah, they fully developed that game. So, I mean, yeah. to see that is kind of a shame. I mean, personally, it was it's 
All it is is just they're taking away the identity of Vicarious Visions and calling it Blizzard Entertainment New York or something, you know? Yeah, I think that's what they're doing here, but the thing that makes us shame is the fact that they're likely going to be stuck on Blizzard projects. They're not going to be able to do their own thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though. They're not going to have an identity anymore and be able to make the game they want to make. They're going to be forced making Blizzard games like Overwatch and World of Warcraft and Diablo. That's what they're supposed to be focused on. And also doing as much damage as they, uh, you know, Blizzard is going to be doing as much damage as they can, I swear, before Microsoft acquires them. Mm-hmm. As I still remember, don't you guys have phones? That was a thing. Diablo Immortals. Yup, you know exactly what I'm talking about, too. Don't you have phones? Don't you guys have phones? Don't, Don't you males have phones? Don't you guys have rubber ducks? Just kidding. Don't you guys... What? Oh my god. Oh no. A hardcore game franchise. Oh my god. It's on mobile and you guys don't like that? What the hell, man? What the hell? You don't have a phone, dude? You can just go to the, you know, go to the toilet, go to the bar down the road and play Dobbo now, dude. Obviously, you guys wanted this. We're not, we're not even listening to our fans, but hey, I know you wanted this. You were waiting for a Diablo game. And we gave it to you. We never said it'd be on PC, though. <laughs> <laughs> or consoles, because the... Blizzard's probably... We never, we, never, we never said you'd be able to play it. We never said you'd only be able to play it on your consoles or PC. Literally, Keck W. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think now we can move on to some Activision Blizzard news. The other Activision Blizzard news. You suck. I know. Uh, uh yes, we we had a good good long conversation about this beforehand. I, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm having mixed. Be, yeah, I'm going to try and make these quick. So pretty much what's been going on here is that a lawyer with California Department of Fair Housing and Employment has resigned after accusing Governor Gavin Newsom of interfering with the state's Activision Blizzard lawsuit. The lawyer, Melanie Proctor, worked as assistant chief counsel for DFEH and told staff Tuesday night she was resigning after boss chief counsel Jeanette Whipper was fired by the governor, as Blueberg reported. The two lawyers left Activision Blizzard lawsuit early this month, according to court documents filed April 5th. Representative for the lawyers confirmed to Blueberg that Proctor resigned and that Whipper was fired. With the two top lawyers of the Activision Blizzard case, leaving, the fate of the lawsuit becomes unclear. And they say that how Bloomberg reported that Proctor told staff that Newsom began to interfere with the Activision Blizzard lawsuit and that his interference began mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel. Whipper was fired after attempting to protect the DFEH's investigation. 
A spokesperson for Whipper told Bloomberg she was evaluating all avenues of legal recourse, including a claim under the California Whistleblower Protection Act. And yeah, so that's one thing. And you can see Mellon continued, the new Selma administration supports the effective work of DFEH, has done under Director Kevin Kish to enforce civil rights laws and protect workers, will continue to support DFEH in their efforts to fight all forms of discrimination and protect Californians. So, yeah, you can see here, there's a lot of different things going on. And also, this one doesn't really involve Bobby Kotick, so we don't have to say anything about him in this. Um, other than the fact that maybe, you know, I, I'm looking at the comments too. Mm -hmm. There's some guy who said it seemed like old Bobby worried much about the investigations. He never seemed to. Mm. And, um, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, uh, the way I, way I interpret this, that, well, once Slender can shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> um, Slender Man, shut the fuck up. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, the, the way I interpret this is that it's, um, they're trying to meddle in the uh, lawsuit, um, not because not because of the money, but also because of the money in a sense. Like, not because I don't know. This they wanted them to pay up more or something, and by they I mean the DFEH or something. I guess I I don't know. I it's it's they they tried to intervene and block the settlement for eighteen million in September. Um, and I guess uh, I guess after firing. Slender. Slender, shut the fuck up. Anyways, um... Uh... And I guess firing that person allowed it to be delayed, I guess, or something? Alright. Either way, I know that this is like... Shut up, Slender. You fucking prick. Shut, shut up. Anyways, um... The, uh, I don't know. At, at least we have somebody uh, keeping us entertained while I'm trying to interpret this uh, lawyerish sort of legal stuff. Um, but pretty much, they're they're trying to make it pay more, I guess, or something. And you know what's funny is uh, I back at, like just before New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Um, I think Riot Games settled a, a similar type of lawsuit um, on the grounds of 100 million dollars I think okay now the fucking one of the caco demons from hell is uh, trying to escape okay um, that was actually my phone okay Anyways, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the crackles from my audio pierced into your computer and then it caused nightmares. Um, anyways, um, sorry. Uh, so 
uh, $100 million from Riot Games compared to this chump change, you know, $18 million. Mm-hmm. I can understand why they wanted to, to intervene, even if it was lawful or not. I think that is such a stupidly low amount compared to the gross earnings of both the production and earnings of the sale of that game mm-hmm. that uh, Hydrowave is holding in his hands, which uh, we shall never speak about. Or maybe we will, I don't know. Uh, anyways, I, I don't have much to say on this other than I, I, I don't know. I just don't want, I, I want the least amount of money saved for this company until it gets bought by by uh, Microsoft. In that case, we can hopefully see a certain someone evicted from the CEO seat. Yeah. And then parachutes off the building in a golden parachute made of uh, expensive super solids. I don't know. <laughs> Carbon fiber and Kevlar. Mm-hmm. Bulletproof fabrics. I don't know. But Activision Blizzard also appointed a new chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. And her name is Kristen Hines. And apparently that's an actual picture of her. Yep. And we can see here Activision Blizzard announced at the day of this article written the appointment of Kristen Hines as its new chief diversity, equity, inclusion officer effective Monday, April 25th. So we're not going to see her for a little bit. Hines will report to Julie Hodges, chief people officer, and will join the company's senior leadership team. Hines joins Activision Blizzard from Accenture, where she most frequently led the global inclusion, diversity, and equity practice and sat on the firm's global leadership team for the CEO transformation practice. And you can see how she she helped organizations establish their own DEI strategies and capabilities, ensuring success through integration with the business, data-driven accountability, and continuous feedback loops between leaders and employees. And apparently she'll bring over two decades of experience across a variety of clients and industries. And she focuses on... Large-scale enterprise and culture transformation, talent strategies, and merged acquisitions for clients across the Americas, Europe, and Asia. Hmm. I see a certain line down there. Mergers and acquisitions for clients. Culture transformation. Things that a certain company really needs right now. Without a doubt. <laughs> and she I, yeah, she mentioned, I'm excited to join a company that's prioritizing its commitment to DEI and making progress on the ambitions goals it has set for itself. In an industry with historical underrepresentation, I'm looking forward to leading the company's efforts to further build a workplace that values transparency, equity, and inclusivity. Gaming has amazing potential to connect communities around the world and to showcase heroes from all backgrounds. I am looking forward to playing a part in expanding the landscape of talent who brings these compelling experiences to a broad base of players. And then we also see a quote from a certain man that, you know, a certain alpaca 
does not want to see mentioned in any of these videos, but we have to anyways. Uh, yep. Um, he, yep, he goes right out and says it. Activision Blizzard has ambitious goals to become the most welcoming. I, I can't say this with a straight face. My throat actually closed up a little bit. Um, an inclusive company in the gaming industry. We have already made significant progress ensuring the safety and well-being of our employees. And we are excited to have Kirsten join our leadership team to help drive even greater improvement. Uh, Kristen's success leading complex transformation with measurable results makes her the right person to ensure we deliver on our diversity, equity, and inclusion commitments to build a model workplace aligned with our values. Signed, Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard. Build a model workplace aligned with our values to become the most welcoming and inclusive company in the gaming in- What the- <laughs> Yeah. This is like seeing fucking Kim Jong-un say- say this. Oh, we're- we're gonna disarm all the nukes in our- in our, um, silos. And, uh, we're making peace treaties with South Korea, and, uh, not going to, uh, we're gonna uphold the martial law placed on our nation, and blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, from what I've seen of this, this is 100% PRs, because I don't think they're gonna be able to do any of the things he mentioned unless he's gone. <laughs> Doesn't matter like how much of the best talent you can bring in terms of trying to fix this shit, as long as the head pin that caused all these issues is still in the company, there's gonna be massive resentment inside that company towards this one man. And I'm gonna be honest, Kristen Hines, mm -hmm. to from me to you personally, you have a really really heavy weight to carry and you have a, a very large shoes to fill because from what's happened at from what we've seen i wish the very very best to your work here and further works mm -hmm. but honestly i gotta be honest I don't feel like she will be here very long because of just just because of how mishandled it's been. Like, I, I, I hope that things will turn around, but I'm not hopeful. Yeah, I am the same way as you. Like, I have a feeling that what's going to happen is that if she's able to tough it out, massive kudos to her by the way if she actually does mm -hmm. it would actually i feel like the impact she she would leave a significant impact but it's not going to be significant enough to solve the problem because if you look down further in the article she said that she wants to increase the percentage of women and non-binary people in its workplace by 50 percent over the next five years and honestly if you're gonna try and do that 
Go to freaking Gluck on that one. Especially because what the PR image Activision Blizzard has right now. I don't know how many women are going to actually be interested in working for a company that has had a history of poor treatment among its, you know, staff of that gender. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, honestly, because like if, you know, this is like you've heard that. You know, places like Chicago and, I guess, Detroit, you've heard that they're bad. Now, what in your head says, if you've heard that this place is really bad, you know, it's very, it's very, it's a very bad place to live in, a bad area. What's going to force you to live there or something like that, you know? Like, it, like for examples for those cities, no, no offense, but... If something doesn't have the cleanest hit, like, you know, history or background, are you really going to take up the opportunity to join that? Like, we saw this last time, um, or maybe the time before, that lady who was part of the lawsuit, she went to a kinder division for less pay, and... I made the argument that the reason why there's a pink tax or there's a reason why women make less is because they have to deal with the they have to deal with like weaker willed people in those higher positions. Mm. If you understand what I mean, they have to deal with less human like people mm. because and that's that's pro probably part of it, you know. And it's just fucking like uh, it hurts, you know. Right. I just hope that you know it all works out, but I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that either. That there will be a fifty percent turnaround from male staff to an equal amount of both sexes and um, a wide variety of gendered people right. and non-gendered like i don't feel she could potentially get to five to ten percent maybe in five years but definitely not 50 no that's that's way too that's way too high of a expectations in the sense of just the reputation you know i think after those five years maybe things will calm down and people will maybe understand a bit more and you know, maybe this will be left in the past. You know how, like, sand is just eroded rock. Yeah, or like how, like, or what I think will likely happen is that once Microsoft buys the company and, you know, a certain CEO gets nixed from the company, if that is actually going to happen, which I think it's like a 95% chance of that once Microsoft buys them and they'll give them a termination date. Mm -hmm. Once that happens... I mean, I think that's when a lot of goodwill will start to slowly get permeated back into the company. But yeah, that's all I mean to say is, yeah, if you're going to go out of your way and do it, try to get more women and stuff, great. But the main thing I want to point back to is that if you can remove that top figurehead that's causing all of the controversy going on right now. Or at least allowing... Uh, more 
you know, less of a, uh, you know, allowing less uh, restriction or not moderating it, then yeah. Yeah, once you get that, uh, then you'll see the non-binary women people start to slowly flood back into the company, and then you'll see that 50% spike that you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Especially because I've heard from what I've gathered and read that Microsoft's a really good company to work for, and once Microsoft can force their principles onto Activision Blizzard, that, that whole company could practically be transformed. Certainly. I, I think I think her um, idea of within the next five years, I think once it gets acquired, maybe, maybe that's the loophole is that because it's under the Microsoft, you know, uh, you know, name, maybe because Microsoft is, like you said, very transparent and very um, uh, inclusive, I guess. Uh Maybe that's her vision, because thinking of it as just Activision Blizzard, yeah, not really, considering the uh, experiences we've um, found out about versus what Microsoft is, you know? Right. But, uh, I mean, uh, it's okay, as long as, as long as whoever joins the board is worthy of that position and isn't just best interests but also making sure that nobody suffers i guess in, in under that you know almost ruling i guess in a sense i don't know how to really put it other yeah. than that sum up as long as they're not toxic pieces of shit and not remnant of the old administration you're good mm-hmm. also Fuck you, Bobby Connick, and we're going to move on to the next topic. <laughs> Which actually is the continuing story of Elon Musk and Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no. Aw, oh, man. Oh, well, yeah. That's great. Yeah, this is a continuing story. And this is actually a pretty significant update, too. This isn't like what happened earlier in the episode where we talked about how Sony fixed the issue with, you know, the PlayStation patch with the the expiration date of the retro games. We're talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, I I know. Um, And uh, his decision, which... uh, Yeah. So, pretty much, we have a thing from Parag Agarwal. Yeah, Parag Agarwal, who is the CEO of Twitter himself. And he his little letter says, Team, Elon Musk had decided not to join our board. Here, I can share about what happened. The board and I had many discussions about Elon joining the board and with Elon directly. We were excited to collaborate and clear about the risks. We also believe that having Elon as a fiduciary of the company where he, like all board members, has to act in the best interest of the company and all our shareholders with the best path forward. The board offered him a seat. 
We announced on Tuesday that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. Elon's appointment to the board was to become officially elected effective 4-9. But Elon shared that same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders whether they are on our board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder and we will remain open to his input. There will be distractions ahead, but our goals and priorities remain unchanged. The decisions we make and how we execute is in our hands. No one else's. Let's tune out the noise and stay focused on the work and what we're building. So, this is actually... So, what happened last episode was that we witnessed Elon was about to join, you know, the board of directors, which would help make decisions for... Twitter. Uh-huh. But as we kind of hinted last episode, we alluded to the possibility of what if he decides not to. In this case, he did it. But the- yeah, and oh, sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. And uh, the um, the uh, the uh, idea of. Um, what is it? Uh, he couldn't have a higher stake in shares uh, past fourteen point nine percent. He couldn't have. He couldn't um, own more than fourteen point nine percent of the overall company, right? Yeah. So um, that, alongside, you know, just. Uh, uh, there's also um, uh, the part uh, where it says, where was it? Um, best interest. Where is that? I'm also looking at the comments to see other people's opinions on it as well, because, um, you know, uh, um, it's in the first paragraph right here. We also believe that having Elon as a fiduciary of the company where he, like all board members, had to ask, act in the best interest of the company and all our shareholders was the best path forward. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that... Um, they... You know, they can't really, you know, if, if somebody's very, uh, like, I feel like they, they wouldn't be able to um, agree with him as much because of his, you know, if you scroll down the comments, even you can find a compilation of a few things. And this guy who who brings up a good point, um, how there's no way that he would be able to uphold his fiduciary uh, I don't know how to say that word yeah honestly you and I are both in the same camp of stumbling on this one word like um you know his ideas of uh the time to edit tweets you know uh feature for twitter blue three dollars a month um Delete the W in Twitter. Oh. Oh, great. Yeah, he... (laughs) 
I understand that now. Never mind. I was, I was gonna be like, oh, maybe. Hmm. Uh, you can tell he's very opinionated um, on his ideas. And um, him being limited to only owning, you know, a, like not even ha not even a quarter of the company. I think this was a better move overall, you know? Right. But then in retaliation, not only retaliation, but in an impressive move of events, we could see that Elon Musk filed for something with the SEC. And if you scroll quite a way down after... Right where you get to see Exhibit B, he says, Brett Taylor, chairman of the board, I invest in Twitter as I believe it's potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, I now realize the company will neither thrive or serve this societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. As a result, I have offered to buy 100% of Twitter for $54.20 per share in cash. A 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. My offer is my best and final offer. And if it is not accepted, I will need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. And yeah, so that is pretty much what happened. Essentially, Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter. That That's no doubt. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I can, I can, you know, uh, I can see that it's, uh, he, he really needs to, t he really feels like he needs to take, uh, take it over in a sense because of his, uh, disdain for, um, for pretty much how it's, it's the most popular social media in a sense. I mean, technically, Facebook has more active users, but as one of the most popular social media sites. Yeah. Um, well, in the sense that everyone uses Twitter when it comes to like, uh, uh, you know, like, I don't see many celebrities on Facebook, but I, I know that there's a lot of users on Facebook that are regular private people. But as for a public figure, a lot of them go to go to Twitter for that, I believe. Mm. Um. Yeah, the bluebird. And then in <laughs> retaliation to this move, we now we also will see that Twitter has adopted what they call a limited duration shareholder rights plan, enabling all shareholders to realize full value of the company. And this is a very short article, so I'll try to read this through. Twitter announced that its board directors has unanimously adopted a limited duration shareholder rights plan. The board adopted the rights plan following an unsolicited, non-binding proposal to acquire Twitter. 
Hmm. Which person do we talk about? I mean, um, it, at least it's not a rubber duck buying Twitter. Anyways. That'd be terrible. The the blue bird would be the blue, the blue duck. Anyways. Blue hair. I don't know. <laughs> the rice plan is intended to enable all shareholders to realize the full value of their investment in Twitter. The rights plan will reduce the likelihood that any entity, person, or group gains control of Twitter through open market accumulation without paying all shareholders an appropriate control premium or without providing the board sufficient time to make informed judgments and take actions are in the best interest of shareholders. The rights plan does not prevent the board from engaging with parties or accepting an acquisition proposal if the board believes that it is in the best interests of Twitter and its shareholders. The rights plan is similar to other plans adopted by publicly held companies in comparable circumstances. On the rights plan, the rights will become exercisable if any entity, person, or groups acquires beneficial ownership of 15% or more of Twitter's outstanding common stock in a transaction not approved by the board. In the event that the rights become exercisable due to the triggering ownership threshold being crossed, each right will entitle its holder, other than the person and the group triggering the rights plan, which rights become void and will not be exercisable, to purchase at the then-current exercise price additional shares of common stock having a then-current market value of twice the exercise price of the right. The plan will expire April 14, 2023, and yada yada. But essentially what they're doing is what they call a poison, like a poison planner, poison pill strategy or something like that. And the idea that essentially they're going to flood the market with more shares and for a reduced cost to those that are currently invested in Twitter. So the idea is that by putting more shares in the market, it'll actually reduce the price per value of shares, which will make it seem more unappealing to outside investors that would be seeking to buy a company. I see. So uh, when it comes to somebody who already has rights, or not rights, sorry, shares into the um, company, but if, if you or me suddenly became a billionaire and decided to buy shares right now, would we be affected? I mean, it depends on how much we would invest. I see. Okay. Like if we're trying to do what Elon Musk is doing, and yeah, this would trigger. Okay. But we would essentially, if like you and I, I as commoners, decided to want to buy like a few shares of Twitter stock, this would not affect us. What this affects are people like Elon Musk that want to buy up the company that had no plans of wanting to be acquired. Okay. So, what do you think of this whole situation with Elon Musk and him wanting to buy up Twitter? Um, my opinion on it is, I mean, obviously they don't want they don't want Elon to have Twitter, but he wants it, so they're treading that thin line where they're like, we we need to be careful, we could be bought out, sort of thing, but. Enabling this, you know, uh, plan, I guess, you know, um, I, I know, I know though, that once this expires that like, they'd have to renew it because if Elon is still interested in this, then they should be afraid, I guess, you know, 
Right. Um, Cause I know one thing. Elon is considered right now the richest person in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, richer than Jeff Bezos. Richer than Bill Gates. Richer than, um, I don't know, my income tax uh, that came in the mail earlier. Sorry. <laughs> richer than Warren Buffett. He's richer than all of them. Richer than Wall Street. Actually, you're probably right. He probably is. He could buy Wall... Elon, buy Wall Street. Make Wall Street better. <laughs> I don't know. Buy GameStop. An AMC market. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Imagine if Elon Musk actually bought GameStop and be like, hey, I want to transform this company to something different. Yo. You know those gamers? They're going to buy... Doge platformer, man. <laughs> As he's smoking a blunt, he's like, man. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting turn of events, honestly. It's like, hey, I just want to buy this uh, shares, and he's like, no. I've declined the board because I have, I want to do bigger things. And honestly, in some ways, he's he has some points, but in other ways, he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, what what does doing having bigger plans kind of truly mean? I know I can't really say it out loud, but um, but uh, I, I can only I, I I just wonder, you know, um, would, would Twitter like be unrecognizable in a sense? You know, honestly, I would think so, and the reason why is because I believe Elon Musk is actually more conservative leading than most, you know, businesses out there. Like, despite the fact he's making the most environmentally friendly cars on the planet, as I would know, we may not the most environmentally, but the push for environmentally friendly vehicles, he's also been the most leaning on the conservative side. Well, you don't have to be a tree hugger to be a liberal, you know, but. <laughs> but yeah, it's like he's an interesting, he has a unique set of views that no one else really has. Mm -hmm. But definitely right leaning. Oh, yeah, and, without a doubt, but and I, I wouldn't feeling, call him a conservative. Yeah, but I don't think he's necessarily extreme right either, like, you know, a certain form of president. You really think a conservative mind could change the tides of this life? Mm. But, but what I mean by that is, he definitely has. He probably would make Twitter a bit more right leading. Maybe not entirely, but definitely have a noticeable change in character. I got a better plan. He writes a contract to Donald Trump, buys Truth Social. And then buys Twitter, and they fusion dance. Well, actually, what probably would have happened is that maybe he could have unbanned Trump from Twitter, and that would have given him a very high outlet. I oh, mentioned that, yeah. That would that would actually be interesting to see. So I feel like he probably would have, and he'd view it as, you know, censoring free speech. Hmm. He probably would make it such that 
Twitter would be a place, a beacon where anyone could say anything. And it doesn't matter whether you're left leaning or right leaning. Yeah, I just um according to his vision. Yeah. It just um I, I get where his his idea on, on that is with like freedom of speech, you know. Obviously, as a private company, mm. you don't have to abide by that. But I feel like private companies have become so powerful that they almost act as you know, a government show, showing you what you can and can't see, you know? Right. So you can kind of think of that sort of stuff, and it's a bit, uh, it's a very difficult, uh, treading topic, I feel, you know, because then what is considered, you know, the biggest company, you know, sort of stuff. You know how, like, you can go on any search engine and search stuff up, but different types of brands censor certain things and then advertisements pushed up to the top and stuff, you know, like duck, you know, uh, almost set a company of, but you know what I mean? Yeah, certainly. But however, mm-hmm. yeah, what, you know, what is free? YouTube. Remixing a video. Yeah. And YouTube. Cause yeah. Cause we have, now it can diverge over to YouTube Shorts. As YouTube Shorts creators, I know one person that definitely is a YouTube Shorts creator, and now I'm talking to him right now. Well, maybe not on your channel, but you do work on our old friend, our good friend's channel for Shorts, and sometimes here. You talking about the duck? No, I'm just kidding. No, we're talking about. The YouTube shorts you have provided for the channel. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I mean... Yeah, I mean... I'd love to make more. Um, we, just, we just need, like, the right gag, I guess. And I feel like... I feel like we need shorts that are, like, based on a certain thing like that. Because, like, I feel like we're more informative, but our shorts are more entertaining, so... Well, we... Yeah, what we need to do is just... For when we have to make shorts, we need to make sure that the shorts that we make happen to be, like, the highlights of a specific topic that we think is really important. Yeah, kind of like how, um... When, uh, the WAN show, you know, with Linus Tech Tips, <laughs> how he has little clips that feature... But they're actually fully-fledged videos that you can watch that are cut from the live stream but in a more shorts format it might work yeah it might also come down to the uh where we can feel finally figure out how to release slender man from your audio deck sorry i'm just kidding <laughs> right it's okay um anyways uh so youtube is giving short careers a access to a much bigger toolkit creators will be able to clip and remix up to five seconds of any eligible video or short in their own shorts the feature could also be available for anyone on ios in the coming weeks and it'll come to android later this year surprising that a google company will put something on ios first before android that tool- yeah that is weird considering the other uh thing we're gonna talk about yeah i feel like that i feel like they're like uh in like a loop Go ahead. The tool builds on an audio remixing option YouTube added last year. To remix a regular video, tap the creep button, and then cut from the remix options. You can then choose which part of the video that you want to use in your short. 
if you'd like to remix someone else's short, tap the three dot menu button, then select cut. Shorts that remix other videos will automatically include the attribution for the original. Those that don't want their videos to remix can opt out like YouTube Studios. In other words, if you don't want other people making shorts, hey, we could just nix them out of this. Call of Duty. Shut the fuck up, Underman. I'm trying to make a joke. Call of Duty, but it's pitch corrected. Yeah. Among Us knife wielding bastard, except it's pitch corrected. <laughs> He's gone. Right? Anyways, adding a video remix. Oh my god! Yeah, so. Pretty much, yeah. So, what do you think of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love how you're just casually referencing every single short that we had on, the, on this from the series. Oh yeah, and more. <laughs> yes, because I it's remember like calling how... David Gilmore and Pink Floyd like Roger Waters. Anyways, that's backwards. Sorry. I mean, after all, we all remember the time when uh, Fuha Packy here had sex with Felix from Re Zero. I know he enjoyed it. It's the most cursed thing you've said all all all, all day. <laughs> Except, wouldn't mind if it was true. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, what do you think of YouTube giving shorts creators more options? Um, I mean, it's obvious that. That Slender Man doesn't like that, but um, besides that, either that or he's very excited about it and he's screaming in, uh, in joy. Uh, anyways, um, what was I saying? Uh, it's obvious that they're trying to, in a sense, take what TikTok has been doing and remixing stuff is, you know, it's, it's a feature on TikTok. You know, and Instagram uh, had something out like I think it was like early February or something. And um, obviously they're trying to just copy that sort of like vertical, you know, nine by 16 format. But I can't say I dislike it because it's. It's 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 a way to like it, it uh, for in my opinion, it builds on the idea of fair use because fair use is a thing that is very difficult to um, understand for a lot of people. It, it's making sure that you make content that is transformative and transformative is very is a very loose interpretation of it, you know, because like. What is transformative? Should somebody react to what I'm saying right now? Is that transformative? You know how um, I think it was uh that uh, it was Dark Viper EU. He um he's a YouTuber that speedruns Rockstar games and stuff. Um, primarily GTA Five. He made a video about React content and how he feels that it's a bit too lazy for fair use you know purposes and it should there should be more to it and that you can't just laugh at a video and then pause it and laugh and you know this or that um 
that there should be more to it. And I understand that point of view a little bit more, considering the first video, and then there was a second video, and then there was like a third video, and because he didn't say it in a clearer or concise way for a lot of people, but that was basically the gist of it. He feels that React content like that is lazy and uninspired. As far as this goes, though, um, I wouldn't say that this is in the same vein, but it isn't... I think remixing clips like this has some merit to it, you know? But when it comes to fair use, the reason why I bring that up is I despise that fair use isn't as what everyone thinks it should be. Yeah, everybody thinks that it's you, I don't know, use a clip of a certain song or something and it's only four seconds. And no, if you use any portion of it, they either can claim it, strike it, or not give a damn. It's always up to the shareholder or the per person who owns that content or the company. So unless it's, you know, public domain or creative commons or something like that, I guess, or public, um, then it can always be struck down whenever they feel like it. As far as I, as far as I know, All right. um, I just hope that this would bridge a gap between using music, using uh, other people's things, and having a way to... I don't know, because I know copyright law is, is complex, and it's annoying to some people who just feel it's unfair, you know? Um, obviously, you can't just spend $100 or $200 here and there to own a license to use this or that. That will eventually expire and then you have to renew it for that specific video and this or that but anyways um but not, happy about this yeah that's a lot of information to take it right just know that also not only will it be easy somewhat easier for a short career to find it'll also be somewhat easier for a short career to find an audience and that those videos will also be available to view on the web and youtube's tab app in the coming weeks and yeah they've only been able to be properly viewable on the mobile app so pretty much soon you'll be able to view shorts in the proper shorts environment and not just regulate it as like hey take a youtube video and go on the desktop and just view it as a ordinary youtube video Oh yeah, I, I saw that. I've, I've actually been uh, dealing with that, although I kind of dislike it because I feel like it takes away a little bit of control in my opinion. I don't know. It's alright though. Right. Um, well, but I'm good. anyway, speaking yeah. of iOS. Right. Uh, we're going to go to the Google Switch to Android app. So essentially what's going on here is you can see here google switch to android app helps ios users do just that and pretty much google has finally countered apple's move to ios app by releasing switch to android for ios in the app store and as it indicates it designs to help iPhone and iPad users import contacts, photos, calendars, and video to an Android device. 
It also shows you how to turn off iMessage in favor of Android messaging and transfer photos and videos by connecting to iCloud. Google dropped the new app without a lot of fanfare at TechCrunch Notes. On its switch to Android website, the app is still not mentioned and can only be found in the App Store with a direct link. Search results still turn up nothing. The app is, however, uh, improved to the big system, which requires you to back up both video calendar contacts using Google Drive for iOS app. It was first spotted last summer by 9to5 Google and code tucked into Google's data transfer tool and seen a more recent release with the ability to import iCloud video infos into Google Photos. And yeah, so this Apple version came out 2015. This just came out in 2022 and we can see some screenshots right here of how the app works according to the Engadget article. So... With that being said, Flupa Paka, any quick thoughts on this topic here? I mean, I think this is a very pro-consumer move to see finally come to fruition. Likes Google's switch to Android app helps iOS users do just that, unquote. Motherfucker. You decided to preference the pre-patched message thing where people where if you like or do a reaction to ios it comes with another text message no smile that quote it can import contacts calendar videos photos and more unquote <laughs> laughed at oh my god you referenced the unpatched thing unquote <laughs> anyways why god damn it liked quote tiktok is testing a dislike button in comments unquote god damn it okay yes yeah, so we'll get to that topic but god damn it stop doing this Disliked, quote, YouTube removed dislike counter, unquote. Uh, okay. I can tell somebody doesn't like the taste of that cherry cough medicine. No, I'm just kidding. Where, 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 where's my karma? Where, where is it? Uh... Uh, I had something here. Oh, shit. Anyways, let me try to get through this as quick as possible here. So this is TikTok testing a dislike button in the comments. And as you can see here, TikTok is testing a way for users to dislike comments in an effort to help people feel more in control over what they're seeing. Comment revealed the experiment in a blog post about its most recent community guidelines enforcement report, which tracks how TikTok is enforcing its safety policies. For now, TikTok hasn't provided many details, feature work, or what it looks like. Some users who appear to be part of the test have shared screenshots on Twitter and shows the thumbs-down button appear next to a heart in videos comment sections. And as TikTok says themselves, we start testing more to let individuals identify comments they believe to be irrelevant or inappropriate. Community feedback will add to the range of factors we already use to help keep the comment section consistently relevant in a place for genuine engagement. 
to avoid creating ill feeling between community members or demoralized creators, only the person who registered a dislike on a comment will be able to see what they have done so. So in other words, if you dislike a comment, you'll know you disliked it. But however, the creator will have no real idea that you did so. And yeah, so... I mean, clearly, I personally feel, and I'm sure I'll pack it as well, feel like this is TikTok actually gravitating in the right direction. Yeah. I, I like it, at least. Um... I, I can see that uh, some people think that it, it looks a bit cluttery. If you look, if you click on where it says some users who appear to be part of the test have shared screenshots on Twitter of a thumbs down button. And, you know, this one says TikTok dislike comment button just makes it look messy, I think. I mean, personally, I don't think it looks messy. I just think they should swap it, I guess, like make it a little bit harder to click on it <laughs> by accident. Um, but I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but it's exactly like YouTube though, you know, um, however, I hope that they move towards like to be how YouTube used to be like, because I feel like, although dislikes kind of don't really say much, I feel like they're important to gauge if a viewer should, you know, I mean, I know this is for, this is for comments only, right? Okay, so never mind then. I'm maybe it's not as useful. Right, I think the it, thing that matters most about this is the fact that there's a dislike button somewhere, and it's being used to gauge, you know, community interaction. Yeah, that that does that does make more sense. Um, I think adding a counter to it might help with that as well. You know, because like uh, seeing negative. Uh, you know, um, reactions to that, it being down, down, like downvoted in a sense, kind of like on Reddit, you know, how they, they sort by, uh, most important or most relevant, um, ones that aren't heavily downvoted sort of stuff like that. Um, I, I like that. Um, when it comes to videos though, I think videos should have a dislike counter as well as a like counter just because, you as the viewer don't know if that video is good or not. When you think of, oh, it has a, n a nice amount of views, it has a nice amount of likes, not everyone likes uh, the video that they view, so maybe that's okay-ish. But you have no way of gauging the dislike uh, counter, so you don't know if it's actually really, like, bad. You don't know if that feedback is important to um, you as the viewer. Right. Uh, however, as a as a you know, as a creator, obviously, it doesn't really do much other than it's just another number that is more uh, connotative to I don't like this or I hate this sort of stuff. Right. And I think I, this topic kind of sparked what YouTube should do and that they should. I mean, TikTok's in the right direction. If they can implement this into actual yeah, videos, because this, this, don't get me wrong, this is going to be helpful for, like they mentioned in the article, try to make the top comments, you know, a more, you know, important, try to feel more in control of what they are seeing. 
that's good. It makes the community feel more in control of what they want to see. And on top of it, too, it'll help out re remove comments that are not very, you know, constructive. Yeah, it's a it's better as a democratic system rather than, uh, you know, people who actually view it can control, you know, people who can experience it and say, I don't like this and I hope. You know, by disliking this, I hope that nobody else gets to feel as fooled as me if it's clickbait or if it's uninspired or something, you know. Right. However, the next step is to implement dislikes into the video itself. Once you get Very that, then I feel like we're in a perfect system where we can truly tell, OK, which videos are either stealing content, posting actual like horrible things. Or simply, you know, just anything that's not good. Mm -hmm. By horrible, I mean, like, morally horrible things. Yeah. So, or yeah, stealing people's content, that sort of thing. That's the type of oh, yes. where the dislike is really needed. Yeah, there, it, there really is, because... Um, when you are not, you know, for uh, when you are not transforming content by, you know, adding on to it or literally, uh, what is the word? Um, what's the word for when you copy word for word? Uh, um, it's used in school. Yeah, plagiarize. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um you know, um, it, it, when things are like that, when they're plagiarized and obviously uh, profiting off of the success of another thing without, you know, positive intention, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's definitely where, where it's most most needed. Right. Additionally. I think we've said enough we need to say here, so I think we can yeah. move on to the next topic here. Yeah, I'm all set with this. Um, yeah. And that is the fact... That Wikipedia... The community behind Wikipedia has voted to stop accepting cryptocurrency donations. And this is an interesting situation where more than 200 longtime Wikipedia editors have requested that the Wikimedia Foundation stop accepting cryptocurrency donations. The foundation received crypto donations worth about $130,000 in its most recent fiscal year, less than 0.1% of the foundation's revenue, which topped $150 million last year. So all the time when you visit Wikipedia and they spam you with those donation messages... For just the price of a coffee, coffee. Yeah, the the, the message that you'll yellow bears you see at Wikipedia like a lot of the time. They make a hundred fifty million dollars off of that, and you can see in the article here that debate on the proposal has raged over the last three months. Cryptocurrencies are extremely risky investments that have only been gaining popularity among retail investors. I do not think we should be endorsing their use in this way. 
And this person who was the main chief proponent of this removal of cryptocurrency from Wikimedia was Guerrilla Warfare. And this person is actually Molly White, a Wikipedian who has become something of an anti-cryptocurrency activist. She also runs the Twitter account Web3 is going just great, which highlights some of the many disasters happening in crypto, death, buy, NFTs, and other Web3 projects. In a proposal Wikimedia Foundation, Guerrilla Warfare added that the Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two most highly used cryptocurrencies and are both proof of work using enormous amounts of energy. According to one widely cited estimate, the Bitcoin network has about two, I believe that's terawatts of energy per year, terawatt hours of energy per year. That's about as much energy as is consumed by 70 million people in Thailand. And it works out to around 2,000 kilowatt hours per Bitcoin transaction. That's like... That's like paying like two thousand dollars, like that's like paying thousands of dollars for like a monthly electricity bill, or even worse if you live places in that like demand you pay a lot more for power. Right, Bitcoin defenders counter that Bitcoin's energy usage is driven by its mining process, which consumes about the same amount of energy regardless of the number of transactions, and but. They all spoke. We scroll down here. Uh, crypto skeptics point out that you should be donating. And ultimately, 232 longtime editors of Wikipedia voiced support for any cryptocurrency donations, while 94 opposed the move. So, pretty much most of the people. Do not want to deal with this. And in fact, after work, the Wikimedia Foundation responded to this article by saying, we are aware of the community's request that the foundation consider ending our donation to the cryptocurrency. Our fundraising team is reviewing the request and related discussions. It will provide additional information once they complete the process. So pretty much, I think based off this, Wikipedia is not going to accept cryptocurrency. The community does not want to see it. They're going to likely listen and they're going to fold. Yeah, without a doubt, I I can. It's it's already very clear that, um, the the really really vast majority doesn't care about cryptocurrency and does not want it as a means of revenue. And I understand that because it can be so volatile that if you don't cash it out right away, that like thousand dollars that you got for a donation probably in bitcoin or, or some sort of thing eventually could mean either you know for just for example three times that amount or three times less that amount mm-hmm. you know so who knows you know that reminds you me just, after this episode recording i need to go on paypal and see how much that five dollars became and that reminds me i need to go on um my uh, nondescript uh, Bitcoin wallet account and, uh, you know, nondescriptly check the price of it because it might be, uh, you know, a thing, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, so that $5 that PayPal gave me, I need to check on that and see how much it became. That thing might be like $6. 
It could be four dollars. Yeah. I have no idea. You could probably buy a yacht with that or something. A five dollar yacht. That'd be funny. It's just a fucking pool floaty at that point. Mm. From like the dollar store. Yeah, but with all yeah, with I a hole think... that's patched by duct tape. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a good move overall. Honestly, I mean, right now, I think once we get official government back cryptocurrencies, like what might be happening in the United States, then we could see some actual, you know, tangible reliable uses of this uh-huh but right now as long as they remain this volatile it's gonna be hard it's top of two like the article says here the value of the amount of money wikipedia got from this is not a lot no which tells that they're that um not only are they not interested, but their readers are not as invested in crypto. Um, and it's just overall that they don't need to tap into that market because it's really not uh, a plenty as of now, right? Right. Like there, no, there's not many people donating crypto anyway, so yeah, it's probably just another hassle that they can do without. Right, and with that being said, we're gonna get to our last two topics now, <clears throat> and they are both science, sciency topics that relate with outer space and telescopes and stuff. Okay. The first one is apparently the largest comet nucleus ever seen was spotted by the Hubble telescope. So as you can see here, we have the largest comet ever seen in this swing through our solar system. And saying that a huge comet with a solid center more than twice the width of Rhode Island is on orbital path that will swing it inside our cosmic neighborhood, as astronomers say. The Icer interloper is traveling 22,000 miles per hour from the edge of the solar system toward the sun. In a study published Tuesday by the in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, scientists said the comet is no cause of concern because it will not pass anywhere near Earth. Even when the comet makes a close approach to the sun in 2031, it will remain at least a billion miles away, said co-author of the study. And it says it will even cross the orbit of Saturn. So it's certainly no threat to us. And this was spotted by the Hubble Space Telescope. This telescope is famous because it's the primary telescope that's being used before the James Webb Telescope comes to a thing. More of a thing, I should say. But it needs to slowly turn. Yeah. And then it will take a picture of something astronomically far away yeah so you can see here or like even when you see the image of this comet that this is a quite of an interesting comet to look at it says it's nucleus a solid center which is typically made of ice rock and dust about 85 miles across and that's around 50 times bigger than most known comets which with a mass estimated to be a hundred thousand times greater than that of a typical comet 
This is a very big comet. If we saw this in the sky, my God, this would be a beautiful sight. We'd also be scared shitless, too, because um, just imagine something is over the sun and you're like, why is it so dark? Hmm. Then you look up in the sky. And then you're like, the aliens have arrived on my Emmergid. No, I'm just kidding. Emmergid, Johnson, it's it's a, it's an alien. Yeah, but yeah, I think this is an interesting little comet here. Well, actually, I should say a big comet, because it's actually one of the larger comets out there. And it's thanks to the current telescope we have right now that, you know, we've been able to spot stuff like this. Yeah, and to think that um, this thing is bigger than Rhode Island, only the nucleus. Yep, Rhode Island, the state that's right next door to where I live. Yep, and the one that's near the other one. Yeah, it's Rhode Island, the state that's smack down between Massachusetts and Connecticut. Yep, and gives Alaska a run for its money, for how big it is <laughs> not. <laughs> I love how you made Rhode Island be like, gives Rhode Island gives Alaska a run for its money. Hey, at least we won't get that cold out there. Actually, it's probably really cold. Well, speaking of cold... You know what else is cold? Our sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Our sponsor, Klondike Bars. Just kidding. We Klondike don't... Bars. <laughs> Our sponsor, uh, Sub-Zero Mortal Kombat Mythologies. <laughs> Anyways. So, the James Webb Telescope is ready for calibration after chilling out. And it's at minus 448 degrees Fahrenheit. This thing is right now very cold. Colder than dry ice. Colder than my nipples on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so, as you can see here, the Jade Webb Telescope is what to have closed the problem with death of the universe on Wednesday. NASA announced that it was ready to start taking test images and aligning the optics of the of the telescope after the telescope's instrumentation reached its final operating temperature of minus 448 degrees Fahrenheit, also minus 267 degrees Celsius, partway through last week. And just some tweets. And say the January telescope is gradually cooling down ever since its successful December uh, its successful Christmas launch, and that, and then also took a major step forward on that front when it deployed its massive seventy foot sun shield at the start of the year. So yeah, I mean, this is great to know that this is getting to a point where the thing is getting even closer to operation, and that's ready to get calibrated. So, all we need to do is uh, get a get a get a Noctua fan on there, a liquid cooler. <laughs> And then we'll truly be able to overclock it past the sun. No, I'm just kidding. 
Sorry. Are you trying to turn the J-Web telescope into a freaking game PC now? <laughs> hey, it'll probably be able to run Doom Eternal at 300 FPS. <laughs> imagine the ray tracing, dude. Dude, imagine. Call of Duty. No, Red Dead 2. 8K. Ultra settings. Now nah, we have to go beyond 8K. We're talking 32K at like 32K. 240 frames per second if you're going that far. Yes. Yes. I would I, I would love to see Arthur Morgan's facial hair at 32K Ultra. <laughs> yes. You're alright, boy. God. That'd be the most ridiculous game computer out there. Like, 162K resolution at, like, 500 frames per second. With, like, such unholy power. Imagine how Minecraft would perform. <laughs> Minecraft, the game we're on the JMWeb telescope, we could probably leave it at, like, a default resolution. You know how with Minecraft, apparently, like, even though the game is limited, limitless, there comes a point where the game will start crashing? Yeah. It would just never crash. It would truly be infinite. It truly would be infinite. We'd get to the far lands. Exactly. And soon Anyways. Enough, yeah, soon enough. <laughs> yeah. And soon enough, you know, we could have a beautiful giant Truly massive giant. I would like to liquid cool it on the James Webb telescope and smash it with a motherfucking hammer. <laughs> you will see the light, my child. <laughs> now, where is that photo? <laughs> Fuck. Uh... Oh, wait, I think it's... Nope, that's the wrong one. Give me one second. Uh... Here, I got an idea. Uh... Let me smash. Sorry. <laughs> I think I ended up joking around with the telescope, but yeah, like, do you have any other thoughts with, like, the... Yo, know, the telescope and the fact that we're getting one step closer for it to take pictures even through space and time um i mean no i just who knows what well, we'll see i guess i have no way of you know i have no way of uh really gauging what we'll see because i don't know what's out there I just hope we never discover aliens. I mean, the most of the imagine the thing can take again, like as we always said in the James Webb telescope discussions, you being able to look back into the past. Oh yeah, the past. And then you can see a version of yourself taking that photograph and fucking it at someone's head and taking that photograph. Sorry. Photograph. 
Dude, this 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 whole telescope literally is just that song, but in like like ten million times the resolution of a photograph. Look at the photograph. Imagine the photograph uh, music video, but in thirty two K with rage. <laughs> Even though it shouldn't have rage racing because it's a fucking video, but you know what I mean. Imagine a video game based on Photoshop. <laughs> Dude, I mean, Nickelback would probably make so much money off that one video game. It'd probably get like a five on Metacritic, but they make a lot of money because people just make constantly fun of it. You know, that's the greatest thing you could do is make yourself a laughing stock, and then uh, the money will pay for your uh, your um, trauma from all the bullying. Right. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of bullying. Right. Thanks to our sponsor, Rubber Skillshare. Dance. The schools that, uh, not not Skillshare. Skillshare is a great company. They they don't have bullies in their schools. <clears throat> you can't even get bullied. It's online. Except we're not actually sponsored by Skillshare as much as we'd like to. Anyways. Pretty much. Exactly what he said. Yeah. We're not sponsored at all. Our comment of the day is none because, well, A, we had a a lot of the stuff has actually been delayed in updating by a, quite a bit, actually. I need to get my videos more up to date so I can get all the episodes in one, you know, fully done. And two, I'm actually been busy with college work, so I, I am sorry for these late updates I've been doing for these videos. What? I saw thought that Lorem bot that you had in your camera feed there, good sir. No, I didn't. I saw that Lorem. Laurel. Laurel. Sorry. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, me. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. At least you did do whatever you did earlier. But anyways. Guys, Didn't do what I did earlier. What? Guys, if you like what you saw today, uh, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to us, or fo uh, follow on any platform that this show is on. Also, make sure to follow the Godcat Discord and the Hydrowave99 Reddit. All link tree to, to access all the stuff is down below in the description. Anyways, I am Hydrowave99. And I'm Mika-chan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm Fluffalpaka. And we will see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Also, fuck you, Bobby Cotton. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Fuck you, Bobby Cotton. Here's a rubber duck. I'm leaving. Good night, everyone.